Hello and welcome to another Overtime Podcast with Mark and Mike. I'm your main host, Mark, and as always, my main co-host, Michael Dagger. Hey, hey, how's it going? How you doing, Mike? Everything good with you? Everything's great, bro. How about yourself? Everything good. Well, let's go right to it. Uh, Our special guest is our CEO of the company, also our producer, Robert Estrada. What's up, Robert? Hey, how's it going, guys? How you been? Good, good. You? Uh, you know, pretty, pretty good. Um, just finished uh, school. Not really, but I finished the semester, which is kind of all right. And uh, now I'm having a little problem of figuring out what to do with my time. I figured, well, you know what? I'm just gonna work on the website a lot. But uh, I'm having trouble waking up before noon and not playing World of Warcraft all day or watching YouTube videos. So yeah, not working out. Not working out. But I'm gonna get to it. And I'm going to be working on a website a lot more. That's, oh, that's good. That's something uh, we all need to do. So yeah. we all need to work more on the website so we can have our fans always something fresh. Yeah, to... no, you know what? I haven't, I haven't published a news story in like two weeks. And like, if, 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 if somebody only reads our website for news, which that would be very stupid of them to do, honestly. But like, if they do, they must be like totally thinking right now, holy crap, the world is totally shut down. My, the world much. has shot down. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Uh, that's good to hear. Well, we got a lot in store. By the way, uh, happy late uh, Mother's Day to all mothers. That if we have any mothers listening to this show, it would be very random. But if so, happy Mother's Day. Happy late Mother's Day to you. Uh, we'd like to give. Uh, some information before we start with all our segments. Uh, for any first-time listeners, please visit our website at VitaNews.com. If you have a Facebook, just search for us on the toolbar, Vita News. And if you got a Twitter, get the triple package, like I always say, and just follow us at Vita News. And we got a lot in store today. Uh, a lot of things have happened the last couple of weeks. Uh, we have the NFL Draft, the NBA Playoffs with a bunch of shockers so far, and the MLB season has kicked in another two weeks with players coming off injuries. Some teams went down, some teams are going up. But uh, let's start off first with the NBA Playoffs. As the Heat today won and take a 3-1 three to, three to lead coming back home. Uh, Robert, I heard you had a story before, which I believe was game three of in Boston that you were in a restaurant. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I wouldn't know if it's too much of a story, but it's a, more of a something that I really don't know what's going on. And it's just kind of like, you know, it's to me, it always seems like basketball is kind of like a, uh, a sport in which one team scores and the other team scores and then they just go back and forth, back and forth. And, like, by that math, I always figure, like, the team that scores first just wins. So, turns out the Celtics won that game on uh, on Sunday, right? Or was it Sunday? Maybe Saturday? Was it Saturday? Saturday. Yeah, they won, right? And, like, it totally uh, – because I was at a restaurant, and I was having dinner with my family. And I left just before the game started, and they were giving it on the TV there in that uh, in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um and the first team to score was the Celtics. And I immediately thought, <laughs> the Celtics are going to win. And sure enough, they did. But I'm pretty sure that's not the way it actually works now, is it? Well, it's, uh, it all comes down to pretty much... I mean, if you start off very good, I believe, you know, 
it's a good thing, but I'm a person, it's how you finish more than rather how'd you start. And yes, for the Celtics, they did score first and they did win. At the same time, they took a big loss with Rajon Rondo uh, dislocating his left elbow. And it showed in game four. Michael, did you watch and what what did Rajon Rondo perform in game four? How did he perform? I did watch game four and Rondo was clearing on himself as, you know, guys... If you're playing with the Sukai elbow, you're not going to be yourself, obviously. But Rondo did what he he does best to, to what he can do with the Sukai elbow. But you know what? There's some plays you notice him just uh, favoring that um, that elbow of his. It, just some plays, things he's just dragging that arm. And, you know, I was kind of shocked that um, that Doc Rivers even played him. Not played him, I'm sorry, started him. You know, I would brought him off the bench, you know, let Delonte West start maybe, but I would not start him because I'm not gonna risk my my MVP of my team uh, with a, a great injury of this. I can pretty much risk um, this series for the Celtics. Well, let me first uh, give uh, Rondo credit being a Heat fan. Uh, tremendous heart the kid has with a, dislocate, a dislocated elbow. I mean, I've never experienced a dislocated elbow, but I'm pretty sure it must hurt a lot considering he didn't take no painkillers or anything. So I credit the kid with a lot of heart and, uh, you know, with the cast and dragging his arm, still uh, being able to go out there. And um, like you said, I would not put him out there, but it's the playoffs and you have to put the best players and you're talking about the next best point guard for the Boston Celtics is Delonte West, who played fairly decent uh, uh, in this game, but it's not Rajon Rondo. He does all the dirty work, and it seemed like they were lacking that in this game, of course, because of Rajon Rondo's dislocated elbow. Now, for the time that he was there, you know, he did get some layups and do, you know, somewhat, but not consistently and not pretty much how I would say I play basketball, facilitating the offense. And you can tell that if it wasn't for Paul Pierce playing his game, uh, Kevin Garnett was off. Um, Ray Allen was nowhere to be found. I mean, pretty much you're talking a little bit of Paul Pierce and uh, with a little bit of uh, Delonte West, who p performed pretty well uh, coming off the bench. But uh, uh, credit to the Heat. They're, they're going up 3-1. Uh, do you think it's over, or do you think uh, the Celtics can win four, uh, three in a row? Never say it's over with Boston. Eh, Miami cannot take off, uh, let uh, let go of the medal, a pedal to the medal in this case. You got Boston right where you have them up three games to one, with game five in your home court. If you don't finish them now, if they lose game five at home. I don't think they can win game six. And if they go to game seven, I just think Boston might just win them out because Miami does not have the experience like uh, the Boston Celtics have. Boston has been there, done that, seven-game series, you name it. They've done everything, so they know how to win. And Boston right now is backed up to a corner, and you know they're, they're desperate right now. And Miami cannot let go of the pressure. Just like today, how Miami played tight with Rajon Rondo. And I give credit to uh, Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers played 
on, on some plays, he he played physical with Rajon Rondo. Yeah, he might have caught a couple of fouls, but you know what? That's what he has to show. You can't feel sorry for the kid like how you felt in Game 3. Because in Game 3, they didn't put pressure on him. You saw his elbow go <laughs> back, and people thought, okay, he's not going to come back. It, you and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, assume he was he was gone. He came back. I automatically thought, okay, uh, I'm putting, uh, hopefully, Coach Spolch is going to put Mario Chalmers to play uh, physical defense on uh, Rajon Ron on Game 3. He did not. He came back Game 4, and he made up for his error. So that's what I'd like to see. And if they continue doing that for Game 5 in uh, Miami, then I see Miami winning. But they got to continue playing uh, pressure defense like they played today. Now, uh, Robert, I know you're not a big fan, but how nope. hard do you think is it to win just three in a row in pretty much anything? Tic-tac-toe, uh, uh, pretty much in any somewhat sport, anything, anything, three times in a row. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty difficult. I mean, it, it either needs to be an extraordinarily one-sided match or... Um, or sheer luck in in which ca- in which what needs to happen is that the power of God himself must say you will lose three games in a row sir and you will like it and that's pretty <laughs> much what needs to happen in order for you to win three games in a row I mean I, I don't know what else needs to happen there it's uh, statistically very unlikely even with the best of teams when you, you gotta win three in a row it's, it's difficult just like what happened to all the time just Lakers they, they were down 3-0, and they got swept by Dallas, so... Speaking of, uh, Lakers did get swept out by the Dallas Mavericks, and the way they finish, by Andrew Bynum and everything with that foul, and, I mean, can you blame Andrew Bynum after just being pretty much humiliated? Uh, Do I blame what, him? I mean, what can... Is it a bad thing? Yes, it's a bad thing. You shouldn't. I mean, if you lost, you lost. And, you know, you did. I mean, it's the Lakers. We're talking about the defending champions and pretty much been in it towards all the way to the Western Conference almost every freaking year. And now, you know, that's not the case anymore. So what do you think uh, are some of the plans for... LA to come back maybe next year. Do you think uh, Phil Jackson's gonna return? Oh, I think Phil's done. He he said it. You, you can tell that he's done. Not even for twenty million. Okay, now you put it like that, then of course. Uh, well, Shoot, Robert will you, go in for you can't you can't turn down that money. <laughs> Man, I don't, not anybody will go twenty. I don't care who you are. You say you're done. They throw twenty million in your face. They go, oh well, I'll have a change of mind. Maybe I'll play one more year. <laughs> Yeah, what what kind of moron would give twenty million to throw a basketball around? I mean, come on. Even if I was in a wheelchair, sure, sure. Well, he's the coach of the team. He's uh. Man, I'm just not paying attention at all, am I? You guys are telling me people, and it's like everybody's the same, man. That man, man, that everybody's the same, man. No, it's it's okay. (laughs) It, 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 you know, but he's a very good coach. He's won ten championships. Tie for most in, uh, I believe, NBA uh, college is 11 by, I forgot his name, but he is Wood, and he died, I believe, last year. Uh, rest in peace. But I believe, I think Phil cannot go down like that. I mean, you're talking about you just got swept 
four straight games by the Dallas Mavericks, and which are choke artists in my opinion, and I'm getting creamed uh, for it by Seabass and everything in Facebook that uh, Dallas won. But um, I, I, I think, um, you know, I think he's got to come back and at least maybe they won't win it, but at least perform a lot better than this. I mean, it's just my take. Uh, Mike, what do you think? I would love to see uh, Phil Jackson back because I love him as a coach. I think he's a hell of a coach. One of the greatest coaches to go down the history of, of any sport in my book. Um, going back to it, I would love to have him come back, you know, but I think the Lakers are going to have, like, major shifting. If they're, if with the rumors coming out, Dwight Howard possibly going, uh, Los Angeles targeting him, you know what? They're going to have to trade a big piece, and they're going to have to choose between either keeping Andrew Bynum, Paul Gasol, and even probably keeping Lamar Odom in that case. So it's going to be a very interesting summer for Los Angeles Lakers. Um, going back to, um, that you forgot the name of the coach uh, for the most NCAA championships, uh, John Wooden from UCLA. With yes, John Wooden. Oh, I thought it was 11. Yeah, he has uh, well, going back, I don't believe Lamar Odom will be going anywhere considering he just pretty much resigned last offseason. And to move the sixth man of the year, kind of ridiculous. Maybe more Ron, uh, Ron Artest, maybe Shannon Brown. You know, those are some interesting pieces. That maybe they would like to acquire, uh, maybe maybe Paul Gasol, like we were talking about, but I doubt it. Uh, I do believe though Andrew Bynum, with all the injuries, might be a risk for the Orlando Magic, but you never know. Uh, they were rumors that he, they, a lot of teams are interested, especially the fact that he's super young. Even with all the injuries, he's still just 22 years old and uh, has a lot of great basketball in him and can be an elite uh, center in the league. I mean, you but, saw in the playoffs, he's a, he, he performed magnificently. You know, he's he's coming to his zone. If he wasn't injured so many times, you know, he would have been up there with the best of centers. But again, those injuries play a factor. Uh, of course, injuries always play a factor, especially, especially if you get injured consistently uh, over and over again, especially in the same leg and everything sometimes. Uh, it's it's very difficult, even if you're super young. But the upside is that you're young and you're not old, so that's that. But moving on to another interesting topic, how about the Memphis Grizzlies up to one? And how are they doing right now, Mike? Are you watching the game as we speak? Uh, I'm actually watching Gamecast right now because I didn't want my loud TV to interrupt. Uh, our show. What's it's uh, six. Uh, it's tied up 61 in the third quarter with uh, seven minutes and 30 seconds remaining. Wow! Considering a team that nobody predicted to be in the playoffs beat the other team, and now moving on and facing the Oklahoma Thunder and taking it to the Oklahoma Thunder, uh, it's it's a miracle that they're even competing right now with the pretty favorite Oklahoma City Thunder. Don't you agree? They 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 went through one powerhouse team in the San. Tony Spurs that had a magnificent uh, regular season. Uh, Memphis uh, came up to play in the playoffs. They took them out. Now they're, they're taking it to Oklahoma City Thunder, who is another super young team. But you know what? This young team is one of the great teams in this NBA. And, 
Memphis is using their their big uh, their big men and Zach Randolph and Marcus Saul and I mean, they're using their advantage. Sorry to interrupt you, but we're talking about how Zach Randolph has completely been probably the player of like the most improved player in playoff. Like he just became an elite power forward, and considering that this is a contract year, he might have just you know said uh, pretty much made himself uh, another millionaire man just for having an outstanding uh, games and everything and. Considering my personal opinion, they play, they're playing magnificent for what they have. Considering Rudy Gay, their all-star, again, is Still not out. there. I mean, it's ridiculous what Marcus Gasol and, um, and Zach Rand Zebo has been doing. It's, it, it's, it, Memphis has something to look for. They're an underdog team all throughout, and they're playing very well. And, you know, I could expect it from the... Poor old San Antonio Spurs, but from the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are probably younger than the Memphis Grizzlies, or as young somewhat, and they're just right there hanging. I mean, it, when you line up old people with young people, I mean, anything can happen, but now when you're lining up young people with young people, they're just getting outplayed, and considering the talent that we're talking about Oklahoma the leading scorer and everything, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, an elite point guard. We're talking about elite players, all-star players there, and Memphis just has a bunch of good, great players, young, very young, and O.J. Mayo, uh, Zach Randolph isn't the, is the oldest, but is just playing lights out, and Marcus Gasol kicking it in down there, taking the ball, rebounding, uh, second-point opportunities, and they're just being able to perform and it's magnificent what they've been doing and they're a team to root for if uh if you like underdog teams the uh, way memphis is winning uh, like i said they're using their their big men and zebo and marcus but the funny thing is oklahoma city they go and grab kendra perkins because they knew they had to go through uh teams that feature big uh big centers and power forwards uh, in the West, so they went and got Pender Perkins to address this issue, and to me, it looks like it hasn't resolved anything because they're Marcus Saul and Zach Randolph having no ways with this defense, despite the magnificent defense played by Kendra Perkins. Most definitely, and let's move on to pretty much the pretty much a very good matchup. I knew this was going to happen considering I do like the Chicago Bulls, but Chicago and Atlanta are going at it. And even with Derrick Rose having outstanding games every game, it's just Atlanta's got a very good overall starting lineup. Probably, in my opinion, one of the most balanced and probably the best balanced starting lineup uh, in the NBA along with the Portland Trailblazers. They're just uh, playing uh, very good. Uh, Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, everyone in the Atlanta team is just performing well and letting Derrick Rose do you know what Derrick Rose does I mean stopping Derrick Rose is very difficult but if you allow the other pieces to try to beat you that's pretty much where Atlanta is trying to get Chicago to do let Carlos Boozer perform who's not been performing Joaquin Noah so much he can do on offense because he's just a defensive player Kyle Corver's you know, performing every now and then, but 
you know, it's a very good matchup, don't you think, Mike? This is a very good matchup, and I like how Atlanta is addressing their defense to adjust to their growth. The, like we saw in the first round against uh, the Magic, they let Dwight Howard have his way down low, grabbing every single rebound. Oh, not every single, mostly every rebound, uh, having putbacks. But you know what? It got to a point that Dwight Howard couldn't make everything, and he had to depend on his shooters, and that's where Atlanta locked down. Now you go to round two. Atlanta's kind of playing the similar way. They're in, in some ways, they're letting their girls just get by them. But when it comes to situations, they they force their girls to pass the ball, and this is where their defense sparks up again and puts pressures on the other players like Carlos Boozer to step up and Carlos Boozer has not had a, a good playoff um, series in this second round. Um, Derek Rose needs to support players to step up if uh, they're going to get past Atlanta because Atlanta has become a very good defensive team like you said. And like we saw last game, Derek Rose had I believe 32 shots and he only made like 10 or 15. Like it's pretty bad. You know, I understand he is a superstar of the team, but you know what? If he's going to take 30 shots a game, ah, that's not good basketball. That just means that you're depending on this one guy too much, and you need other players to step up. And this is where Carter Boozer needs to really step up and show everybody that he w- that he was a steal for the Chicago Bulls in the offseason. Needs to step up indeed. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. But... It's a long, still couple games left to be played, and they have the opportunity to turn it around. Uh, series is tied 2-2, which is a good thing. Next game is tomorrow night. Let's see what uh, Chicago can uh, do to stop Atlanta's very good uh, strategy. But uh, moving on into pretty much, I can't say sport news, I heard Robert that Diablo 3 is coming out. Is that correct? It's almost like you're trying to make me come into the show. Uh, of course, you're a special guest. We need you. <laughs> yeah, no, Diablo three is going into beta. That seems pretty exciting. Well, not not yet. I think it's uh, it's gonna it's a uh, in July. It's gonna go into beta till September, so it'll probably come out sometime around there. Pretty exciting. I'm a fan of the Diablo series. I know you're hey. a fan too, right, Mark? Oh, of course. I. Pretty much, that was pretty much the first Blizzard game I did play, Blizz, uh, Diablo 1. Very exciting. I uh, never played Diablo 2 considering I went to World of Warcraft, but yeah. I'm pretty sure we have listeners out there that do sports and gaming, so I wanted to bring it up for a little bit just to, you know, to for those listeners and stuff like that that do like Diablo to know that Diablo 3 is coming out. Yeah. Yeah, and also to confirm all doubts that I'm not dead. Uh, also, it also helps there. <laughs> there Does go. all of that. <laughs> For sure. Alrighty, moving on now, though. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL draft. Uh, very interesting draft. A lot of surprises. And uh, a lot of good picks overall. Some... Uh, some moves that were expected, some moves that were unexpected. Uh, Michael, give me a move that was not expected, a draft, a trade, something that just didn't seem correct. This, where to start? Uh, let's start in the top ten. Jake Locker going to Tennessee. I, 
was com- fairly convinced that um, Blaine Gabbert was going to go to Tennessee. And you know, I was like, oh, okay, he's going to fit the system pretty well. You know, he's he's NFL ready in my books. And like, and like you said, he's uh, he's the most ready of the quarterbacks there. Okay. Jake Locker was a was supposed to be number one pick, I believe, um, in the draft board uh, exactly a year ago. So I'm fine with that. That's weird, weird, but whatever. Uh, Christian Ponder to Minnesota. I'm still wondering why. Yeah. I mean, I under, I understand that quarterbacks are going left and right, but I think Minnesota rushed it. I I don't know about you, but I think they rushed it. They're nah, like, just oh. a little bit. Nah, yeah, just <laughs> I mean, Ryan Mallett's right there, you know. It's like, like, hi, hello, I'm right here. You don't gotta get Christian Ponder. No, no, no. We're gonna get Christian Ponder. We like him better. Uh, so I'm like a little confused about that. Um, Nick Fairley dropped to 13. Hmm. I mean, complete steal for Detroit. I mean, you got Nadal Gasu and Nick Fairley. Wow. I'm gonna be. I'm the quarterback. I look at that. I'm like, oh, I hope my line can defend me for like at least five or ten seconds so I can roll out and throw the ball away because um I don't want to get hurt. Uh, very scary defensive. <laughs> um, Prince Amakamara to New York. Um, man, when I saw him. Uh, number nine there for Dallas. You were there. You saw me like pacing back and forth. I was just saying, going, same Prince, same Prince, same Prince for Dallas. And they say Tyrone Smith. You you told me about him, and then I was a little happy, but I really wanted Prince in Dallas. I would, because they want they needed that cornerback so badly. So I was like, this is the year they got him. No, all right, whatever. And I see him keep dropping and dropping. I'm like, wow, where is he going to drop to? And then he goes to 19 to New York. So I think the Giants got a really, really, really good cornerback. Top 10 uh, talent dropped down to almost, uh, almost 20. So they got my 19. Um, trying to remember some picks here that were steals. Uh, Cameron Jordan going to uh, New Orleans at 24. Um, I had him going a little bit earlier with uh, New England going picking him first with their many draft picks. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Jordan is going to be awesome on that defensive line. Like we said, he's just going to address that defensive end presence. And then also, New Orleans coming back in the first round with trades and picking up Mark Ingram. And then that sparked up the whole uh, rumors about the running backs going. And then we all know what Reggie Bush tweeted. He said, uh, it's been fun, New Orleans, with a deuces sign. If you guys have iPhones, you can see it. If you don't, then you couldn't see it. Yeah. So... That's pretty much what I saw as deals. I mean, uh, what, what's your take? Uh, well, one person that we all expected, we're talking about a guy that was could have been the number one pick. You were talking about uh, Jay Locker being the pretty much the first pick in the last year's draft. How about a person that could have been it in this year's draft, uh, Daquan Bowers, falling all the way to the second round? Uh, yes. That was a pretty... Big drop. I mean, considering all the millions and everything, that's a fairly big drop for Daquan Bowers. But we had him in the first round in our mock drafts. I, I had him exactly where he fit uh, the Tampa. team. I think we picked I him had him in the 20th pick at Tampa, fell to Tampa in the second round. So, Well, I do have some pretty much sleepers also that dropped, uh, and a lot of players that were surprise picks 
But first, let's take a break because we have already our first half of the show. And we're going to first let me start off by our sponsors, uh, audible.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by them. Get a free audio uh, book at www.audibletrial.com forward slash overtime. Over 85,000 titles to choose from, so you know you're not going to get bored and find a book that you love to read. And uh, make sure to not only listen to our show, but listen to Robert's show in order to get an overall outlook of the world. So you got sports, politics, news, gaming. We did a little bit of gaming here. So we here at Vita News, we like to be well-rounded and keep our listeners well-rounded. But uh, that's our first half of the show. Don't go anywhere because we got a very good second half coming up. Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com, an Amazon company. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. Personally, I recommend The Lost Symbol by Dan Brown, and you can get this book or any of their 85,000 titles free today. Not everyone has the time to read an entire book, and that's why this is the best way for you to read these bestsellers that everybody's talking about. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash overtime to get your free audiobook today. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash overtime. Hello and welcome to the second part of the show and boy do we have a lot in store for you but like I promised our listeners I will continue with pretty much my sleepers. Michael was talking a little bit about how Jake Locker was um, considered a first pick before uh, last year's draft but I'm going to talk about a guy that could have been the first overall pick that fell all the way to the second round pick and I'm talking about uh, Daquan Bowers from Clemson falling all the way to the second round 20th pick in the second round to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which in our mock drafts we both had it correct, was going to Tampa, and Tampa indeed took the shot with him, but waited around and in essence got a steal, don't you think, Mike? Oh, definitely steal. Uh, defensive line is tremendous now. We're talking the about draft. the Detroit Lions uh, defensive line being super strong. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the same. Both young teams, and they're going to have tremendous defense coming into the season, which I pray that happens. And it all starts in the line, and Raheem Moore uh, definitely has drafted very well two years in a row, rebuilding the defensive line, and that's where it all begins. But uh, I do agree with Nick Farley falling all the way to Tennessee, making their defensive line, talking about defensive line, was an absolute steal. I agree with Cameron Jordan. Uh, I surprised Mark Ingram fell at well, – not that he fell there, but I, that the Saints went to go get him. Like, that was a, pretty much a surprise and, you know, the whole scenario. I mean, they have pretty much a running back by committee there. A lot of good ones, and we all, we all know pretty much Reggie Bush out the door. But that was a surprise. Michael LaShore going to Detroit was uh, somewhat of a surprise. I mean, we're talking about two of the same backs in uh, Javid Bess and... Uh, now Michael LaShore there. Uh, I wonder what's all the plans over there, but I'm pretty sure they uh, have to be pretty good plans for Detroit drafting Michael LaShore in the second round. But uh, Christian Ponder, obviously um, the biggest surprise, considering that he could have maybe even fallen to the second round if the Vikings uh, would have just waited. I know the Vikings were trying to trade out of that pick, but uh, they couldn't. And in that... 
they had to take a person and well i think they just choked uh, in my opinion they looked at the the quarterbacks there i guess they didn't want ryan madden they were like uh well blaine gabbert's gone as well let's just uh, but supposedly from r rumors that J christian Pollard was their guy all along but you could have possibly could have taken prince amakamura and you know helped that defensive back uh you could have taken a lot of picks. Bruce Carter, uh, you could have taken a lot of picks and could have waited on Christian Ponder to see if he was there in the second round. If not, maybe trade, you know, in the late first round if you feel like a team was going to grab him. But that wasn't the case. And I think, uh, you know, who are we to say if they reached or not? I mean, it's a quarterback, so nobody knows. I mean, the first quarterback taken could be the worst quarterback. And, you know, maybe even the last quarterback taken Oh, Greg McElroy could be probably the best quarterback. I mean, that's the beauty of the draft. It's taking a pure luck. I mean, a pure guessing uh, decision here. And, you know, um, well, they pretty much took it. Uh, but a lot of surprises in the draft. Uh, Mike, uh, give me possibly your top three teams that drafted the best. I'm going to go my uh, overall winner, Detroit Lions. Um, I'm going to go back to it. Nick Fairley and Nathaniel Sue. That right there strikes fears into the offenses. They got to deal with those two monsters on the defensive line. That's going to cause the offensive line coach headaches preparing uh, the week before for that matchup. They also followed up by drafting, like you said, Mike, uh, Michael O'Shore. He's he was one of the best running backs coming out of college, and him and Java Best are gonna work really really well in my opinion. Um, coming off the backfield, they can run, they can um, uh, play receiver as well. They can catch the ball uh, out off the, the backfield back yeah. and make uh, playmaking. You know, they got a, they got a good uh, core going on in Detroit and. I'm really happy for Detroit because after all so many years of frustrations, you know, finally, you know, the light could be shining in Detroit, you know, and I'm really happy for them. Um, let's, the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints. Um, Cameron Jordan was a very good pick of the 24th pick. You know, I thought they were going to get Daquan Bowers, but you know what? Cameron was there. You know what? They took a shot at Cameron. I understand that. Four picks later, they trade up. With uh, I believe it was the New England Patriots, um, they dropped my uh, Mark Ingram. Uh, I was kind of confused about that, but you know what? They got a really uh, a lot of running backs there to choose from. You know, you got uh, Mark Ingram now, Reggie Bush, Chris Ivory. They like uh, their Saint Heisman Pierre. Trophy running backs. <laughs> Apparently, you know, um, they got four great running backs. You know what? And I don't think there's enough uh, footballs. To be uh, to hand out to these players, but you know what? They're they're gonna make it work because Sean Payne is an offensive-minded uh, coach, as I know from his days in Dallas, and he took the Saints to the Super Bowl uh, with Drew Brees. So you know what? If anything can make an offensive work, it's Sean Payne. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, my third winner. They drafted really well, in my opinion. Uh, Let's see. They drafted Ryan Williams in the second round. Very good running back. You know what? Beating Wells has been on the off and off in the injury report. So, you know what? 
it kind of scares them there. So they want, you know what? They go get insurance. They bring in Ryan Williams, who was really, really good um, from Virginia Tech. You and I both know that very well. As we, uh, as you call him, Ricky Williams 2.0. Yeah. You know, very Arizona had a very good overall draft, and they're another team that's up and coming. They still got a lot of um, holes to fill, but you know what? Little by little, Arizona's getting updated. They didn't get the quarterback that everybody thought they were going to get. You know what? And it was like, okay. But I was okay with that. Um, I know you asked me about my best uh, teams, but you know what? These, these two teams stick out to me as, as like, like, what were you thinking in my turn? So, you know what? I'm just going to say it out. The Vikings. I still don't know what they see in Christian Pondit. Christian Pondit was amazing. And, no, okay, I'll take it back. He was good, very good, good, uh, coming out of FSU. You know what? And I like the kid. Very good quarterback, you know. First round, eh, maybe he can sneak up there, possibly the last pick of the first round. Uh, top 15? Never. But it happened. Whatever. I don't think Christian Ponder could be the franchise quarterback. I could be wrong, and he could be developed to be like the next Brett Favre as the Minnesota Vikings are quoted as saying that he's going to be their next Brett Favre. Oh, well. Um, they passed up a lot of players. They passed up on Nick Fairley for one. They passed up on, I believe, Robert Quinn. You know, they passed up on very good players. Like you said also, Prince of uh, McCamara. It's, it's kind of strange. You know, they pulled the the quick trigger on the quarterback because I believe it was just that panic. They saw Cam Newton number one. Everybody, uh, almost everybody assumed that Cam was going number one. All right. Uh, they see Jake Locker, uh, Blaine Gabbert, and you go like, oh, man, Ryan Matt is next. And Ryan Matt is there when you're drafting. You know what? And I thought, okay, they're going to get Ryan Malley. Because I, I thought officially they're going to get Jake Locker, and Jake Locker was out of there with the Tennessee Titans. So I'm like, okay, they're going to get Ryan Malley. They're going to get a steal with this kid. No, nah, they go get Christian Ponder. So it might take time for this pick to come out be good. So only time would tell. Tennessee Titans drafting Jake Locker. I understand Jake Locker was very, very good quarterback a year ago. Number one uh, prospect coming out. He said, no, I'm not going to come out. I'm going to stay, uh, graduate, take my team to a bowl game, and win it. Mission accomplished. But come back and be the eighth pick. Oh, Jake Locker, I'd be really happy because Jake Locker, some people some people had him in the first round. A lot did not have him in the first round. So maybe the Titans, they, um, there are probably no ways. I'm assuming with Vince Young. And they're going to go with Jake Locker as their starting quarterback because uh, who's their backup uh, quarterback? I can't even remember. Rusty Smith? Rusty Smith from uh, FAU, the Owls, and they have Kerry Collins there. Um, they're not starting quarterbacks, so I think Jake Locker will be fine. Well, it'll be, it's going to be a very rough rookie quarter, a rookie year for him, so I probably go to the best of them. Uh, very good choices. Uh, I will start off like we started off, uh, talking pretty much the best of the best. I'm going to start off with the New York Giants. Uh, taking Prince at the 19th pick was just an absolute no-brainer and a steal. They need defensive back help, and Prince, you're talking about you could put out there with Corey Webster and have him already as a number two, and just completes pretty much a very young 
very good defensive back with Kenny Phillips and Antro Rowe out there. That was just a no-brainer. And they, again, went and got a steal in the second round in grabbing Marvin Austin, defensive tackle from North Carolina. I told you North Carolina had about three or four players that could have gone first round at the beginning of the year. There was about four that could have been top 15 a lot of issues happened, got injured and everything. But Marvin Austin is an absolute stud in the defensive tackle position. We're talking about a guy that was the Nick Farley uh, before Nick Farley blew up this year. Not a troublemaker. He just needs to stay in shape. And if he could just get like motivation, which I know he'll have from the G-men, uh, he'll turn out to be a very good defensive tackle considering the defense that the G-men have. And then they even later rounds, uh, I believe they drafted Greg Jones from Michigan State, who, for most of you who know, a very good linebacker in his college career. Greg Jones was a tremendous linebacker in Michigan State, kind of like a Brandon Spikes in Florida. You know, not amazing, but a very hard worker. And it's going to fit there perfectly in that inside linebacker spot. I believe they got him in the fifth and sixth round. And then they addressed a wide receiver. Uh, from Troy, I forgot his uh, first name, but Jerrigan, I believe. Uh, very small, but a slot receiver. And with Hakeem Nix and Steve Smith, both that like to stretch, you know, the field and our possession possession receivers. You know, Mario Manningham, very good in the slot. But you know, now you add Jerrigan, who's very like a top six, seven receiver in this draft, and getting him, I believe, in the third or fourth round was an absolute steal. Uh, Pretty much your little speedster, Eli Manning. Give Eli Manning weapons to work around with and everything, and they just drafted overall uh, good. Another team that drafted very good, uh, the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. Uh, they needed help on defense, and boy, did they draft it on defense. They also needed a right receiver, and they wasted no time in drafting a receiver uh, in the later rounds and still getting a very good receiver. But the overall concern here was defense. They were able to get Vaughn Miller, an excellent guy that can just turn around, speed, fast, everything. Perfect in the 3-4, 4-3, wherever you want to put him, but perfect for the 3-4. Then they drafted Aaron Williams, the uh, corner. They needed corner help. They didn't waste any time with that. And um, uh, Kyle Shepard, I believe, from LSU, an awesome linebacker they got players to automatically start right now and they're not going to waste any time they're going to put them in there and see what they can get out of it uh taking back i am so sorry they did not take von miller they took marcel darius von miller went to denver but marcel darius was considered possibly still the best player in the draft maybe uh, debatable in many people's things but he is perfect for that they needed to Stop that hole in the defensive tackle position. They were giving up the most rushing yards at a time, and they did that with Marcel Darius. So an excellent uh, acquisition with them. They would have loved Von Metter to fall for them, but it was a win-win for Buffalo. So uh, I give credit to Von uh, to Buffalo for drafting. Uh, and pretty much my last but not least. Uh, well, how could you miss with all the draft picks that they had? The freaking Patriots. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> considering they drafted Nate Soldier, uh, I believe in the 17th pick, an excellent offensive tackle. They needed to address that. Their offensive tackles and their offensive line kind of getting up there in age. Why not draft it? Kind of scratched my head when they drafted uh, 
Steve Stephen Riley from LSU. Uh, they already have a lot of good running backs there. I know pretty much Fred Taylor might be out the door. But, that was uh, two running backs back-to-back, -back, if I remember uh, correctly. Third round and fourth round. But the reason I like it is next year, by trading down some of the picks and everything, they insured uh, next year first-round pick again. So they'll have two first rounds again. And they drafted a very good corner in Dowling from Virginia, a top-five corner uh, in the draft. And you're talking about... They don't miss, and that's an excellent guy, just like Devin McCourtney. Now they have a very good number two. And then taking a shot with Ryan Mallett in the fifth round is just an absolute steal. This kid has immature problems, but who better than to just, you know what, just sit back, watch what he does, you know. The kid has the arm to play right now, and God forbid Tom Brady goes down. You're talking about maybe the next Matt Castle in the making. You're talking about Ryan Mallett right there. And... uh it's uh, you know, Patriots uh, excellent draft all all around, all around, all around, and um, can't ask for more. And that's what the Patriots do. They draft good, and they make sure that they can get draft picks. But I do agree with some of the teams that you did uh, did say some mistakes and stuff like that. Uh, the Vikings kind of scratch my head in this draft, like you were talking about. Uh, could have maybe waited and still got on your quarterback and maybe even taken a Bruce Carter or something like that. Another team kind of disappointed. Very good player, I believe, uh, Bruce Carter, but Washington Redskins, yeah, I think they needed to grab a receiver or a quarterback. They didn't do that in the draft. I mean, I think uh, – Everybody's scratching their head now. Maybe Donovan might be staying. Maybe they're looking at something in free agency. But I think they needed a grab receiver. And uh, as much as Julio Jones is an amazing player and could fit that number two system, uh, that number two spot in Atlanta, I believe Atlanta traded a lot to get uh, Julio Jones, which six or seven draft picks overall. Uh, in this year's and next year's draft for the kid, the guy is an amazing player, but you start to wonder if six or seven draft picks, you could have maybe gotten a person like Julio Jones in the NFL and maybe more. But credit to them. They said we're a wide receiver away. They went for the home run. They saw a player they wanted, and they went for it, and uh, they did. But i uh, got to give credit before I end the conversation of the uh, NFL draft. Got to give credit to the Miami Dolphins for a very good draft. They did uh, have offensive line issues. They drafted Mike Pounce, uh, Maurice Pouncey, brother of Mike Pouncey from the Steelers. Excellent player that could fit the center guard position, whatever the Dolphins need. A very good hybrid, and you're talking pretty much the best center in the draft. Uh, and then drafting a very good running back and wide receiver. Later rounds, moving up, getting Donald Thomas from Kansas State, who could have possibly been a top two, top three running back if it wasn't for injuries. Kid is very good in Kansas State. We all know Kansas State. Uh, not a very good football program, but he brought a lot of excitement uh, and is a very good NFL running back, probably better than Michael LaShore, who could be like a jobby best, but in the long run, Donald Thomas probably will be a very good running back. And drafting needed speed at the wide receiver position, and they got that in Edmund Gates, the fastest wide receiver in the NFL Combine, and a kick returner, which the Dolphins lacked in special teams, 
and maybe a third or fourth receiver in there with speed, a person you could just go two or three yards, dump the ball, and he gets you an extra three or four extra yards just by the speed. And you needed with the Dolphins needed that to open up with Brandon Marshall and the running game. So uh, very very good draft by the Dolphins. I give them a B plus uh, from the draft. Uh, but uh, we talked about basketball. We talked about football. Now let's talk about baseball. A uh, lot of weeks have gone by. A lot of players have returned. I know one of your players in your fantasy, a pitcher that you love, returned. Mike, Zach Greinke. Uh, about what time. Is, uh, what is your take on his first game returning and everything? Was a pretty decent outing. Uh, no, of course. You know, uh, you don't, what you can don't you expect, expect from much. your first game? You really can't expect much, you know. He he did what he can, you know. He uh, it was a disappointing start for you know everybody said he's the ace, so you know we always want to come out even if it's the first game and play well. But you know what? He bounced back today and got the the victory for uh, his Brewer club. Yeah, that's uh, we all know your first games is very difficult. Uh, my favorite player, my player in fantasy too, in like 30,000 leagues, uh, Evan Longoria, came back, didn't do much, but with time, he started doing what Evan Longoria does, hitting his home runs, getting his RBIs, and it just takes time uh, after, you know, getting the flow, you know, feeling comfortable back in the lineup with your team and everything, getting run support, and at the same time, having good pitching if you're a batter. So uh, having everything in sync is uh, very good, but both of them returned and are now uh, up to par. Expecting to both have very good seasons. Maybe Zach Granke makes the All-Star like like uh, a year or two years ago. And uh, Evan Longoria being continuing the best third baseman in uh, MLB. Uh, uh, it's a surprising team that's uh, pretty much, I say, in it, but could possibly be going down our very own team, the Florida Marlins. Very good pitching from JJ. Got his first loss, gave up a couple of runs and stuff like that, finally. But considering they're right there, right behind the Phillies, uh, I know the Phillies have the four aces, but what's going on there, Mike? Uh, why are the Marlins just right behind the Phillies? Well, you're comparing the Marlins to the Phillies. You don't expect the Marlins to take over the Phillies. Even if they're after an amazing start compared to what everybody expected from this very young ball club. Um, they have, the Polar Marlins have a very all-around good team. They have Josh Johnson as their ace, Rick and Alasco as their second man. Um, Annabelle Sanchez is, is the, uh, showing everybody now what I've been saying for about a year and a half now, that he's a very good pitcher and he's showing that he's the third man in this rotation. Mm-hmm. Javier Vasquez, like I said, he's going to be on and off. He He's not showing what uh, the Javier Vasquez that he was dominant in Atlanta Braves. He's showing an in-between of the Braves version and uh, the Yankee version. So you, you're not, you don't know what you can get from him. And Chris Volstead, I've always been on this kid that he has what it takes to be a great pitcher, but he just does not perform. I don't know why it it makes me mad as a fan that I see this kid. He can be a great pitcher. He has the fastball. He has the mechanic. He has it. It just doesn't produce. I don't know why, but whatever. Um, then you go to the hitters. They're the free agent sign of uh, the free agency. John Buck. 
Uh, John Buck, he's never been a player to hit for contact. I did believe he hit almost 300 last year, which was kind of a shocker. But John Buck has always been the the, the big hit guy. And he's shown he's had the Grand Slam in his first game. And I believe uh, two games ago, he had a, a two-run home run. So, you know, that shows he's a power catcher. Gabby Sanchez having an amazing year. No one even thought of that. I didn't think Gabby was this good. And you know what? Gabby's showing to the world. Talk about Joey Votto and Albert Pujols, but hey, don't forget me. I'm, I'm going to be up there. Him and Ike Davis have shown this year that they're the the up-and-coming up and first basemen of uh, the season. Omar Fonte off to a very rough start. His uh, his demotion from the batting order from number two to number seven, number eight, I believe. Um, it's slowly uh, getting good. He's had a couple of games that he had two or three hits. But you know what? It, it It's a little process. The big question, Hanley Ramirez, what is going on with him? He is a superstar of this team. He's just not producing. He's It's just like, what can you do with him? And you can't move him around the lineup. It's just like uh, Aaron Rodriguez said. He just can't move him. It's very difficult. If you take him out of the third spot, if Logan Morrison wants to hurry, he'll be number three. You push Hanley maybe number five or something. You know, you get me? It's it's just a very tough situation for Hanley. Um, not today's game because I wasn't able to catch today's game. I was more into the Heat game, but um, Sunday's game, I guess the Nationals, the blowout game for Mother's Day. He hit a really good ball that it just went slightly foul, but it was gonna be a home run. Two pitches later, he hits a liner that would have been a hit, but it went straight to the shortstop. And after the half inning ended. It was the first time you see Hanley being frustrated. So it's a little bit, little bit. Hanley's showing his frustrations. Third base, the biggest open, uh, I believe, in in baseball. It's, I don't know. what. Sometimes they go with Greg Dawes. Sometimes they go with Helms. Donnie Murphy's interest. So I don't know what's going on there. I want Greg Dawes to start, but apparently the manager has his own ruling. Left field, Logan Morrison, like I said, he's hurt. It's tough, but Logan's off to a good start before he got hurt. Bonifacio coming in there, very surprised compared to last season, how horrible he was this year. An amazing player. Chris Coughlin doing very well for playing a center field. Nothing about the speed that we all thought he's going to have the speed. But you know what? He's showing a little bit more contact, a little more power, bringing in runs. You know, you're happy with that. And Mike Stanton, their up-and-coming star, he's off to a very slow start, only has two home runs. But you know what? I believe the slugger is going to... Turn around soon, and he's gonna uh, probably be one of uh, top ten and top five. I'm sorry, home runs by the end of the season. That's a very big uh, prediction, but I believe he has what it takes to do it. Yeah, very, uh, very good young Marlins team. We have to see uh, if they could actually stay in this number two spot right behind the Phillies, considering they're about three games and in the series right now with the Phillies. So that can completely just turn around if they take the next two games, considering they lost today. But just moving on all around the National League, uh, St. Louis, number one in the Central, even with Albert Pujols struggling. Uh, Matt Holliday, Lance Berkman, and Kobe Erasmus has done a very awesome job at keeping St. Louis at first place with Cincinnati and Pittsburgh breathing down their neck. Uh, Lance Berkman just having an amazing year, right, Mike? Oh, wow, Lance Berkman. Talk about... Turning back the clock. I mean, he's playing like the Lance Berkman from Houston. Yes. Jesus. 
Yeah, it, it's it's incredible. Uh, but uh, can you keep it up? Is going to be a oh, that's major a big question. Exactly. And if if he doesn't, can Albert Pujols pick up how he's picked up in every other year? And maybe Lance Bergman could go back down to you know a mediocre role, and we'll keep St. Louis in this number one spot all throughout the year. Uh, moving on to the West, the Colorado Rockies there, but by one and a half games. Tulu being the hottest player in the beginning of the season, having a quiet, I would say, second half right until now. Uh, going through a little bit of a struggle, but every player has it. Hadley's going through it right now. But, you know, good pitching from Colorado. Uh, Todd Helton filling in pretty much for the Tulu role pretty well. Young pitchers and Julius Chachin playing very well and Jason Hamill. Uh, but San Fran breathing down their necks uh, by one and a half games. And San Fran is trying to do some acquisitions to grab and grab more batters in that lineup. So we'll see what San Fran does. Dodgers, somewhat of a surprise being all the way towards the bottom of them, four and a half games back. But uh, your Dodger Blue should pick it up uh, by the end of the season, maybe be in the runnings for... Uh, that division, don't you think, Mike? I mean, it's not that they're they're not a good ball club. They're very well, a very good ball club. It's just I believe all the distractions with the owners having in depth issues, Major League Baseball operations taking over the team. It just brings distractions to the team, so you can't really focus on on the game. You know, oh, yeah. it's it's a very big distraction, and it takes Man, effect. It's killing, it's you, killing you can see it. You, I mean, Andre Eaton has been the hot, uh, the bright spot of the team yeah. until the other day was 30-game hitting streak snaps. You know, you, what's going to happen from now on? And Jonathan Broxman is having a horrible season. I mean, he went yeah. to, on the DL on the, not too long ago, I believe. So Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it happens, uh, but I'm pretty sure the Dodger Blue will bounce back eventually. Uh, towards the middle of the season, they'll, you know, grab a hold of, you know, their game and everything. But... Uh, very, very interesting division always there. Uh, moving now to the other side, the American League, where I'm proud to say this, the Tampa Bay are tied with the New York Yankees. And let me tell you, I'm a big time Tampa Bay Ray fan. And let me tell you, you want to know why they're there? Because they're winning not only at home, but they're winning away. And I know they have at least more than nine uh, road games won for sure. And they're winning away, and that's the most important thing. And the funny thing is they started off the season 0-6, and they're the first team to finish. The first team to actually get to 20 games even starting 0-6. Let's just start off with that. Considering Evan Longoria, their prime all-star, not there, everybody else has done a great job filling in, whether it's been B.J. Upton now, who's been moved to the fifth spot, uh, ben Zobris, who had an amazing month. Uh, David Price pitching very well. But let's talk about the guy that I said, don't worry about it. And I told you, Michael, and that's my boy, James Shield, who has one of the lowest ERAs in the American League. And we know how hard it is to keep your ERA low in the uh, American League. And he's doing it. And I told you towards the beginning of the season, James Shield, watch out. He's going to be phenomenal. And am I right? He's, I believe... Top three in ERAs of, of low ERAs. Just getting it done. Uh, Boston, right behind Tampa and New York with 3.5 games back. They also did a very good uh, turnaround. 
They won today against Minnesota. Uh, but yeah, Toronto and Baltimore. Well, what can you expect from Toronto and Baltimore in this uh, pr- pretty nasty division towards the bottom? But the Central is the most intriguing, and I, I got to laugh because I can't believe the Cleveland Indians have the best record in MLB baseball. Uh, and, and the Kansas City right behind them. You look at the uh, AL Central, and Cleveland and Kansas City, really? What, Detroit, Minnesota, and Chicago are all the way in the bottom. Detroit's like five and a half games back, but Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, we're talking about teams that have been in the playoffs in the last five years. Those have been teams that have made it either as the division and the wild card. Minnesota is just depressed with Joe Maurer. Don't you believe, Mike? No, that whole team is just not performing well. It's just not Joe Maurer. You got, you got Justin Morneau. You got Delman Young on the stable list. It's, it's not performing. It's just not performing. It, it, it sucks because this uh, team has a very good young team and they're not performing. It's, uh, yeah. It hurts. Detroit... I said this before. Detroit, out of Justin, outside Justin Verlander, does not have a very good um, pitching rotation. They don't. They have the batters. They just don't. Disagree. Have the Matt Scherzer has done a phenomenal job as the number two. Actually, perform better than uh, in these games that occur of pitching. Justin Verlander will go finally last game, but Matt Scherzer has done a phenomenal job as a number two. The bottom of the rotation, I will agree. Phil Choke and everybody else have pretty much done nothing but uh do i gotta say brad penny has been phenomenal man he's like the best mvp of of detroit no if they wouldn't walk so much miguel maybe they'd be winning even more oh yeah just miguel cabrera is literally winning and based on balls by like a thousand by now every game they just they walk because they're afraid to pitch at this guy. Of course. It, what are you? Re- pitch at him, man. I want to see some home runs in my fantasy team. Oh, Jesus of course. Christ. You, yes. <laughs> Just throw a fastball in the middle. See what happens. Yeah, Bro, do it. I don't see why not. That was totally unexpected. Why not, right? I mean, you remember Miguel, right? Um, Robert, with our, our whole class having in that year that the Martins won the World yeah, Series. Yeah, everybody had his jersey. And it was like, yeah, the greatest thing that ever happened. And before, you know, it was like the second coming of Jesus all over again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what can you, what can you imagine? I mean, he left the Marlins just like everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, why, why, why wouldn't you? Failing team, you just might as well just get the hell out. Right. But that's a uh, that's the case in Detroit. But it's just very weird to see Detroit, Chicago, and Minnesota all with losing records, and Kansas City and Cleveland literally with winning records. Uh, maybe that will turn around as more of the season continues. And last but not least, the smallest division, like always, the American League West, which composes of the Angels right now in the lead, but the A's right now performing very good, very good pitching in their young pitching. Uh, I told the A's, my concern with the A's was the batting, and they're getting the batting just enough to win. Uh, They beat Texas today, and Texas is a very good batting team compared to the A's, 7-2. Trevor Chahill has been pitching phenomenal. Another pitcher that has one of the lowest ERAs in the American League. Uh, Dan Aaron, uh, of course, also in uh, the Angels. And Jared Weaver are the one-two in front. But Trevor Chahill, 
performing great. Brett Anderson, everybody in the A's just performing and doing what it takes right now. But Texas is just a game behind them. And Seattle is just four games. And now maybe with getting rid of Milton Bradley and bringing up some of their up-and-coming outfielders out there, maybe uh, Seattle will just um, come out of nowhere. But really doubt it. But they have a phenomenal pitcher in King Felix who can turn it around. Uh, Seattle's somewhat pitch, great pitching staff, if you could just consider Felix pitching all five games hmm. always. They'll probably be the best team in the American League, maybe. Um, I wanted to end this uh, the baseball section with this uh, this question for you. Um, I saw this poll um, on ESPN earlier today. I, no, not today. I think it was yesterday. Anyways, they had a poll um, between two teams. Which one's going to be more competitive towards the end of the season? The Tampa Bay Rays or Cleveland Indians? Is that a no-brainer? No, I want to take your take out because I'm interested. Do you want my biased opinion or you want my unbiased opinion? Uh, They're the same thing, so it doesn't I matter. The, the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> no doubt. Cleveland Indians, very good. Uh, their pitching is doing very good, but I can you consider Cleveland a fluke team? I mean, this is like their first year that you could see them, first of all, leading MLB. And are you serious? MLB? I mean... Yeah, sure, they have Grady Sizemore, Carlos Santana. They got some good pieces. I mean, they got it going on. Why not? They got it going on. Yeah, they got it going on. But can you consider them keep going on like with the pieces that they have? Why not? They got very good pitching. But do you see anybody there that, you know, know, all these pitchers are like multi-millionaire pitchers that are going to be at all in the All-Star game or any of their batters besides maybe Grady Sizemore, Carlos Santana maybe will make. No, maybe not. I, I doubt it. But. Do you see anybody in Cleveland? They're playing overall good. As Drew Cabrera is playing very good at the shortstop position. But just Tampa, they're in a tough, tougher division. But Tampa, got very high hopes for Tampa. Tampa's pitching is pitching very well. I told, we got nothing to worry about losing Matt Garza. If anything, we're getting, they're, they're actually getting rid of somebody that I believe very good. And maybe even Rafael Soriano, who has gone to their, in their own division to the Yankees, who hasn't performed very well. Everybody that ta- Tampa Bay has lost, notice, have not performed as good as they did in Tampa. We're talking about Carl Crawford uh, missing in action. He somewhat picked it up, but definitely not the same in Tampa. He Rafael actually Sor- got a game-winning run today for his boss. Oh, congratulations. I think that was like his first time in <laughs> history. And Adrian Gonzalez as well in Boston. Maybe it's taking them a little bit of more time than what team, the team has expected to get a feel for, it, but has right now have not performed one-fourth of what he would be performing in Tampa. Rafael Soriano, uh, very, very difficult in that holder spot right now. Cannot, not used to it, not very comfortable asking, uh, telling interviewers. It's very difficult from going to closer to being a, pretty much a settled man holding down for Mario, Mariano Rivera. He needs to get a hold of him. Matt Gard is a performing mediocre in Chicago. So I mean, you know, he's playing well. His stats, it's just he doesn't get the run support. Nah, no run support or anything. But, but he's getting uh, not the Matt Garza that everybody expected like last well, year. Obviously, who if you grew go up, did not expect. Uh, I mean, you're talking about the American League has ten times better batting, and he performed amazing. Went to the National League. Sure, doesn't have a lot of run support in Chicago, uh, and is giving up, you know, decent amount of runs for. Alfonso Soriano is their best player right now, and he can't do it all. And it... most definitely, but considering. 
he's giving up more runs than what he was giving up in Tampa. And how does that make sense considering that you have Tampa uh, – in Tampa's division, you have New, uh, New York, uh, Boston, and even Toronto with freaking Jose Bautista and Adam Lynn there. I mean – his division is tough somewhat in, in the in the National League. Somewhat, I guess you could put it. I mean, I mean he has to go Louis. through Cincinnati and St. Louis, so. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, St. Louis, Cincinnati, or the Yankees, Boston, and maybe Toronto. You're I, putting I, Toronto in the National Yeah, I'm going to put Jose Bautista, man. I, I'm a big supporter of Jose Bautista and Adam Lynn. They're performing very good uh, lately. Uh, I like Toronto. They're a very young team. Uh Toronto, let's see. Toronto is what the Pittsburgh Pirates, in my opinion. They're the Pittsburgh Pirates are performing very well, but they're the Pittsburgh Pirates. So you could say Pittsburgh Pirates and Toronto, uh, pretty much push right there. And then what? Cincinnati and St. Louis. Yeah, he, he, look, he's got Albert Pujols, Matt Holiday, Joey Votto, and Milwaukee. He's got Prince Fielder and Ryan, uh, Braun. Ryan Braun, of course, Casey McGee, and Houston. Well, you got Carlos Leos, whatever. And then Pittsburgh, he's got like Neil Walker. Very good. Then he has Hunter Pence also. That's, those are those are some home run sluggers there. But then look, the Yankees. You still got A Rod, who A Rod still is gonna hit. Mark Teixeira, Robinson Cano. The, the whole Yankee team is just dangerous. As it Boston, is whenever they the whole Boston like, team. The whole Boston team. And then you're gonna go to Toronto. You can talk about Adam Lynn, and you're talking about Jose Bautista, who are very damn good hitters. And Jose Bautista could might as well just go again hit another 50 home runs this year because it's ridiculous already. And Baltimore, you know, what, as bad as Baltimore is right now. They're, they're playing a very really scary good. team. They're playing. Yeah, really well, good. they've lost like four in a row. I don't know how they're playing really good. No, but... no, but they have. They're playing good. No, with they, what they, they have. Yeah, exactly. They, they, Nick Mar- Marquise and uh, Mark, Mark Reynolds, Reynolds Derek, Lee. Derek Lee. They have a very, very good team overall. So, considering they didn't have this last year, uh, yeah, but I still think Tampa Bay is going to be in there, even with the maybe the tougher division. Still think Tampa Bay is going to be there. Cleveland, I don't know. I think Detroit will bounce around. And I, I got to see when Joe Maurer comes back. Maybe Minnesota gets a spark or something. But can't take Cleveland serious right now. Ask me this question in another year or two. And, I mean, in another month or two, I'm sorry. And maybe I can change that answer. But I'm a Tampa Bay bias and unbiased fan. Uh, going with Tampa Bay on that poll. Wow, a year from now. Well, hold you to that. <laughs> Uh, well, that pretty much wraps it up for our show. Uh, let's go directly to the fastest minute. My fastest minute is Heat taking the next game. They're going to beat Boston. They defeated Boston over there, which is as tough as it is already. They're going to beat them. They're going to destroy the, sh- the Boston Celtics, get that rest, and see who they're going to go against. And hopefully it will probably be the Chicago Bulls, which will be a very interesting uh, matchup. Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat, or Miami Heat, Atlanta Hawks. I hate the Hawks. Love the Bulls. Would like to see a Chicago Bulls Miami Heat series. Uh, that's my fastest minute. Uh, Robert, what's your fastest minute? Uh, my fastest minute is going to go ahead and be uh, gamifying education. I think that that's something that will probably be a, something that'll be a little neat. Saw it on the Escapist Magazine show extra credits, and I think it'll be a good idea. Gamifying education basically means to, well, turning education into a video game essentially. You know, we're giving achievements and turning you know games into overall uh, video games. I think it'll probably be a good idea. We'll see how it works out. It should probably be an experiment. We will most definitely be talking about that on the next episode of Coffee with Andrew and Rob, so you want to hear more about it, tune in. It'll be back at the next Tuesday. Awesome. 
my fastest minute, I want to talk about the LA Lakers, how they went out. Um, I question why Lamar Odom shoved Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, it was probably frustration, but coming from Lamar, I just don't see Lamar like that player. So, uh, all that that's like, now what Andrew Bynum did to poor J.D. Barrera, I, no, please, that, you're going to be known for that. Uh, Andrew Bynum being an amazing player, he's going to be known for the guy who let his guard down and just pushed this poor guy who's the smallest player on the court. He's going up for a layup because you've been letting this guy just give him the lane to lay it up. He's like, okay, I'm going to keep on doing it until you stop me. And Andrew Bynum did stop him. Unfortunately, it was an elbow to, I think, his ribs. But you don't go out like that. L.A. Lakers have they, – they're too much of a good uh, organization to go out like that. They don't – their plays don't behave like that. I think it's just frustration. And it's going to lead to probably uh, a change of roster coming into the offseason. We're probably going to see moves. We're going to, I think, for sure, either Paul Gasol or Andrew Bynum is gone. One of those two are going to leave. I, I think Paul is going to stay because Andrew Bynum has the potential to be a, better, uh, to be a featured guy in another team. And... Probably they can use Andrew Bynum as a bargaining chip along with other packages and probably bring in Dwight Howard. And if they bring in Dwight Howard, that's going to be very scary in the Western Conference. But I'm going to end this saying Lakers have, have way too much class the way they ended up, and they, they shouldn't play like that as, when they got swept from the Dallas Mavericks. Very interesting for the slowest minute for Michael, who just did a complete brand new... <laughs> <laughs> uh, segment for us which is the slowest minute i think that's gonna like move forward i'm gonna be the fastest minute and michael will be the slowest minute there you go that works that would be awesome just to add a little you know spark it to the show we we need a little bit of spark and stuff like that (laughs) but uh i would like to thank robert in the matrix (laughs) but uh i would like uh i would like to thank robert our ceo and our special guest for today for coming on uh, thank you again, Robert. Oh, it was great to be here. I'm here every single week, and I just never say a word. Which is the funny Most part. definitely. But don't say that. Don't say that. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. He does record our show, does the editing, uh, and does a very, very damn good job at it. And uh, thank you again, Robert, for coming on our show and uh, being the CEO and uh, pretty much everything of the show. Aye, aye, uh, Captain. Besides the main host and co-host, but you are the special guest. Aye, aye, you- Captain. And uh, thank you very much for those of you who um, haven't visited our website, vitanews.com. Do so. If you if it's your first time listening, just go do it right now. Uh, visit that website. Uh, support the Overtime and Coffee with Rob. Uh, if you have a Twitter, at Twitter. Don't wait a second. Go do it. And if you got Facebook, you're always on. Everybody's always on Facebook. Literally, everybody's always on Facebook. So just go in the search bar and Especially during the Heat game. Especially in Heat games. Everybody's always on Facebook. It's a play-by-play. Moment-by-moment. Second-by-second thing there. Yeah, as a a matter of fact, probably don't go to Facebook because then you won't have any reason to listen to the show. Guilty as charged. Don't don't go to Facebook. Screw Facebook. Facebook is the devil. Yeah, let's go with that one. But uh, thank you again, guys, for listening to our show. Make sure to listen to Coffee with Andrew and Rob, like uh, Robert said. And uh, thank you for joining on our show. Michael, thank you for being, uh, as always, the co-host. And uh, have a good night, everybody. Later. Wait, wait, wait. Good night, Cleveland. There you go.
<laughs> it's in the end.